the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 458 for March 15th, 2015. All about Apple this week as we break down the Spring Forward Media events, plus Google announces a new version of Android. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Jumping right in, Apple hosting a press conference this past Monday to announce new services for the Apple TV, new Mac hardware, and additional details about the Apple Watch. First up, Apple TV. Apple said it's been working with HBO on an exclusive new deal launching on April 12th. It's called HBO Now. It's a standalone streaming service, and HBO Now offers all past, present, and future content for $15 a month. It also allows for users to use that service on any device that they have, as long as it's Apple, meaning an Apple TV, iPhone, and iPad. Along with the announcement of HBO, Apple has dropped the price of the Apple TV from $99 down to $69. Also, if you happen to be someone uh, like uh, me, and and actually Joey too, we buy our our, our Apple hardware refurbished, and you can get the Apple TV third generation refurbished for only $59. So save another $10 if you're looking to pick one of those up. Next up, it was all about highlighting the latest company successes, including 700 million iPhones have been sold to date. So in the past, what is that, eight years, uh, we've seen 700 million. So about 100 million iPhones a year being sold at this point. CarPlay, uh, every major car brand is now committed to delivering CarPlay to their vehicle. So that's great news. Also, more than 40 new models of cars will be shipping by the end of the year with CarPlay integrated. And also the number of locations has tripled that accept Apple Pay from 220,000 at launch to now uh, 700,000 available today. Although I went to two of them uh, in the past couple of days that uh, looked like they accepted Apple Pay and did not. One was U-Haul and one was Rite Aid. Uh, So that was kind of annoying. They both have the little PayPass symbols on their terminals and neither one has uh, has an agreement with Apple. So hopefully we'll continue to see this. But uh, next up, Apple announcing Research Kit, a tool for developers for collecting and gathering health-related data. The company demonstrated how apps can be used to track the symptoms and progression of major diseases such as asthma, diabetes, Parkinson's, breast cancer, and more. The data can be collected from iPhones and can contain GPS data, air quality, and also other data regarding environmental conditions. Research Kit uh, contains strict privacy controls such as what researchers... Uh, can use uh, in what uh, users can then participate in as well as what data is shared with third parties. Apple says it will not see any of the associated data generated by research kit. Medical professionals hope to use the iPhone iPhone data that users are supplying to them on the on a grander scale in order to better understand diseases and also medical conditions and of course eventually learning how to better treat and cure them. Apple said it will release research kit in April and the tools will be open source. So I read a transcript of uh, Tim Cook actually did a, a, a call an interview. I think it was on a CNBC show and mentioned that already one particular study, I, I can't remember the institution, already got uh, like a, a thousand times the normal number of participants for a study that they're working on. So uh, already this is going to make huge, cha- you know, huge changes to the way data is collected. And of course, the more is uh, infinitely better when you've got uh, research studies going on and, and trials and, and collecting this data. So th- with, with the number of iPhones that are out there, this really could represent a major, major shift in 
medical technology and in 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 how to do research and how to improve medicine. So we've got kind of a, we're kind of on now on the verge here of really being able to change things, which is uh, really interesting and fascinating. Um, really to think about how we can now change medicine again compared to what we have now with supercomputers because we can do a lot of number crunching you know in the past you know 15 20 years but now we've got now a new shift and there's going to be additional kind of things that come along with this here we're we're really at the at the very beginning of what you're going to be able to do with this type of information and and a research kit uh, coupled with all of the sensors of course in our mobile devices but then also what's happening with the watch which we're going to get to in just a little bit um, it, it really is amazing just how much data we're going to be able to collect analyze and hopefully to make all of our lives better uh, just by being able to do this and it's you know right now research kit uh, is obviously an Apple specific thing but it's going to be open source, so at least we're going to be able to see quite a bit of additional development built on top of it. You know, one thing that's kind of uh, you know, you know, interesting about the Apple products here and, and, and using them for medical research, medical things like this, and sensors. You know, we have kind of a level of reliability that we haven't really seen before in computing. Uh, you know, Windows is so buggy and crashy. I mean, how many times have you gone up to a kiosk and have seen a Windows error message uh, that's, that you can't get rid of because there's no actual mouse cursor to click on the OK button? We don't really have that with Apple products for the most part. Yes, of course, they crash, things get buggy, but but the reliability factor is so much higher. So we can actually kind of go and trust this stuff a little bit more as far as critical things, as, you know, especially if you're doing health monitoring and, and you know, whatnot, uh, as far as the actual getting the data back and forth. Well, you know, I honestly, I'm thinking more about what is going to what, what's going to change as far as how we are, um, you know, how we are analyzing that, you know, that's I'll say that subset of data that it's being collected, because my one of my concerns is that as we go through time here, um, you know, electronics and technology and, and devices that we have um, obviously are, are great for certain things. But are they are they actually help you know harming us more than they're helping us in, in some regards? And I think about how today's workforce really is is kind of at, at at a desk bound type of situation and and are we really doing ourselves any good by then taking that that situation and, and maybe saying well we can be more mobile now that we've got iPhones and iPads and laptops and stuff like that but actually still uh, being very sedentary and whatnot but e either way there, there's a lot of diseases that go on with uh, in, in those types of things so uh, I, I obviously I like to see that that we're taking that well, the companies like Apple are taking a, uh, a stance that we want to be able to figure out how to better uh, pursue um, these challenges and come up with solutions and stuff like that. So research kit is just an interesting uh, way of doing that. But, uh, you know, going back to your, your, your thing there about uh, Tim Cook talking about all the data that he was collecting with this, that actually came from uh, the show was Mad Money with Jim Cramer. And uh, I, I thought it was he, Tim actually did a really kind of cute thing where he called in and he said, Hey, uh, Jim, this is Tim from uh, California, uh, Cupertino to be exact. Hey, it's Tim Cook from Apple. And you should have seen Jim Cramer's face. I mean, he was just absolutely shocked uh, and honestly it was kind of a love fest between the two of them as they were going back and forth but either way it was still pretty pretty uh pretty interesting to see that and uh, yeah I, I thought that was very interesting he threw out some some very interesting stats that uh obviously were were more off the cuff than, than anything and it was neat to hear so uh anyway long and the short of it is research kit um will be available here very soon uh, open to to anyone who wants to use it uh, after all that it was time to talk hardware tim cook and the company uh said that they have reinvented the notebook with an all-new macbook uh we'll just cover this very quickly here this new macbook is only two pounds 13.1 millimeters thin if you haven't seen pictures of it which i don't know how you wouldn't have the thing is incredibly 
incredibly thin. All the antennas are in integrated right into the enclosure. It's got a new back, uh, new keyboard design, new backlit lighting. Uh, it's 12 inches uh, on the display. It's Retina, of course. It's got uh, that force click press on the on the uh, the trackpad uh, that we had been uh, hearing a little bit about. Um, it's also a very very low power computer, which I think is one of the more interesting things about it. It almost feels like this is uh, it's like an iPad with uh, a keyboard attached to it. It's only using five watts of power. It's got an Intel Core M processor running at uh, 1.3 gigahertz. Uh, it lasts nine hours on battery, and uh, it's got a single port, uh, which is the USB-C port on it. And this is a brand new thing uh, that is uh, it, it, the standard has been out for a little bit. We've talked about it on the probably I don't know three six months ago, something like that. This is the first mainstream device that we've seen come out with it. Uh, subsequent to this, uh, the new Google Pixel uh, Chromebook was announced, and this also has USB-C as well. So this is the way that the connection uh, the connections are going here. But the port itself does USB, DisplayPort, Power, HDMI, and VGA all over that single port. Yeah, and it's a really interesting port. We did talk about it. It was announced about six months ago, and that's exactly when we saw the uh, the, the 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 leaked images and the leaked report that the new MacBook Air, which of course we now learn is just the MacBook, is going to look like this. And the the you know the 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 leaks were spot on. You know, just one port. And uh, you know, when the the at the time it seemed kind of crazy that they do it, but they they did. And and uh, USB C is very fascinating because it's reversible. Uh, so the cable data can go in either direction. It's not like what it is right now where you've got your host and your client ports. So you can do either direction. Uh, it can provide power. It can also accept power. So that's how you charge this device. And of course, the connector is more like a lightning connector where it's uh, you can plug it in either direction, which finally... Finally, 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 I despise USB plugs because I never get them in the right direction. And I, I'm flipping them six times before I get it in the right way. So uh, all in one with the video, which is also kind of interesting, kind of like lightning because lightning also acts as a display port. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Thunderbolt acts as a display port. Uh, but they also provide HDMI and VGA in addition to that uh, over the display port. So it's kind of a kind of a crazy connector and a kind of a crazy computer and all. Yeah, it is. And, you know, obviously this is for a, uh, a very, I say, broad audience. Um, it's interesting because if you if you kind of go off of what you what you'll read in the media, it almost feels like it's a you know, it's it's a pass for a lot of people. And that's just because the people that are writing about it may not be the perfect computer for them. But if you think about the kind of the masses, the mainstream, this absolutely makes a lot of sense for people. Not everybody needs a Thunderbolt connection. Not everybody needs to have a whole bunch of USB ports on the thing. Not everybody needs an SD card slot on it. I mean, it's everything is done, you know, over your phone and, and uploaded to the cloud. And then as long as you can easily access it on the computer, it's uh, it's 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 pretty, pretty, you know, pretty easy to go. It's interesting. So there's still a headphone jack on this thing, which I guess is good uh, if you want to use it to, you know, for listening to to music or whatever it is, or uh, obviously, um, but uh, and not having to have an adapter to do that. But of all the, you know, that that's the only other port other than the USB-C. Yeah, it also provides a optical digital output as well. I, I did see in the spec, so it has that. Uh, it's a dual dual function port, and you know, with the the Bluetooth audio available, I'm kind of surprised it has that still. But you know, there's a lot of people that use headphones, uh, you know, when they're using their laptop still. So watching videos, if I'm thinking of use cases, uh, if you don't have an iPad and you have just one of these laptops, you're going to be watching videos, you're going to be listening to music. So I, I can see why they did that. I, I, but but. I can imagine probably the next generation in four or five years from now when they update this thing, it may not have a headphone jack. Yeah, that's I think that's a very real possibility. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is if you think about what Apple um, has done here, 
um, and, and how they've kind of almost segmented this device out and to go on its own line. I mean, it's it's a, um, a brand new user here. It's not one that is going to be hooked into, uh, you know, hooked into a lot of things uh, at a desk anymore. It's really an, an on the go type of thing. And that's that's really what they were what they were going for with this. It, the, one of the things that I, I, I think about, though, is that if I were to take this thing out and I wanted to use this and tether it to, say, my iPhone for my data connection, I have to do it over Wi-Fi at this point. Right. Um, I can't or Bluetooth. I can't do it over a wired connection because there's no place to plug in my lightning cable. Yeah, right now you would have to use an adapter or get uh, eventually there'll be USB-C to lightning uh, cables uh, eventually. But right now you'd have to use a, a dongle adapter to to tether it uh, wired in, in order to use that. But yeah, you would want to use the the sharing Wi-Fi sharing connection, you know, because it's really easy now to do in, in Yosemite and with the iOS 8. So that's pretty easy to, to activate as long as you have Wi-Fi but or, or use Bluetooth. So that's kind of a, a non-needed thing for wires there. Uh, this is just an ultra, ultra portable computer. It makes the MacBook Air look not so Air-like, but it's really lacking on, on horsepower. But it ha- but the trade-off is it has the Retina display. It's it's kind of a strange device. I mean, I I wouldn't get it right now because uh, I need something a little bit more powerful for what we do here, Mickey, with the show. But if I didn't have that, then it would be something I'd probably consider. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. If it weren't for and and we certainly could do. It's not to say that you couldn't do audio editing on a device like this because it it certainly will. It's just it's the speed of it and it's the you know well not not to mention the fact that we already have MacBook Pros. Uh, but uh, certainly the the speed of it is going to be much faster on what we have today. Yeah, so I mean, if you need the horsepower and you need something portable, then you have to get the, the the MacBook Air, which does not have the Retina display. Or if you need power and Retina display, you have to get the the MacBook Pro Retina. The um, uh, the thing is that you kind of run into those that CPU with uh, Skype calls. This this video call that we're on right now, Mickey, really does use uh, quite a bit of CPU. So I would be uh, I would be really wary of tr- of us actually trying to do this over that computer because it may not actually have enough uh, horsepower to, to keep up. Not to mention we couldn't hook it into our Thunderbolt displays, which is yet another uh, interesting thing is that they've totally cut off what is a relatively new technology in Thunderbolt that has just been added to uh, to their to their portable line here within the last what two, three years. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, very new for uh, errors in, in the, the MacBook Pros. However, uh, you know, you would think that with a DisplayPort adapter, you could get it to work because DisplayPort uses the same connector as the the uh, Thunderbolt. But I did some research on this and uh, it does not work that way. You cannot take a Thunderbolt display and plug it into a DisplayPort and actually have it work. Uh, I would imagine it's possible that Apple could create an adapter that would... Uh, uh, kind of fake out the PCIe bus that they put within Thunderbolt. That's really all it has in it. It's, it's got uh, DisplayPort and Thunderbolt E kind of combined into one connector. Uh, they could probably make it work with an adapter of some sort, but right now it, it is not possible. Uh, I could have told you that. Uh, you know, I've got a, a Lenovo ThinkPad laptop that's got a DisplayPort connector on it. I've tried plugging in uh, my Thunderbolt display into that, and it does nothing. So unfortunately, it's uh, to your point, it's it's not there yet. Uh, three colors. This is the first time we've seen three colors on a Mac uh, Mac computer, where we've got the silver, the space gray, and the gold. So you can now buy a gold computer. Standard is eight gigs of memory, so that's nice. Two hundred and fifty-six gig SSD in there. $1,300 is the price point for that entry-level model. You can get a faster processor and double the SSD to 512 gigs. 
for just a cool $300 more, up to $1,600. Starts shipping uh, this new MacBook on April 10th. Also, the MacBook Air did get some updates, including a Thunderbolt 2.0 port, and also that new Force Touch trackpad is now found on the MacBook Pro, as is a few extra hours of battery life, up to 10 hours now on the MacBook Pro. So some updates there across the whole Mac hardware line. And on the MacBook Pro Retina, that's only the update for the uh, the, the Force Touch trackpad. It's only on the 13-inch one. And also on the 13-inch MacBook Pro, uh, they also updated the uh, video, the, the, the graphics processor in it, so you can now do 4K output at 60 hertz out of the uh, out of the lightning jack. So you can then do an external monitor that's 4K, whereas uh, our models, Mickey, we cannot actually do 60 hertz at 4K. Yeah, I uh, don't have any reason to do that now, but I suppose maybe in the future that would be an issue. But either way, yes, that's nice to hear that they've done that. Uh, After all of this, uh, moving on, the star of the show, Apple talking about the Apple Watch, reiterating many of the things that we already knew about the new wearable, uh, including that the time would be accurate to 50 milliseconds of the UTC. Also, you can swipe up and up from the bottom of the watch face to see weather, calendar, music, and even check your heart rate. Uh, One of the new things we learned about it is you can take calls uh, with the built-in speaker and microphone. So a very Dick Tracy-esque feature there that uh, is obviously going to be very nice for those of us who leave our phones in the other side of the room and uh, you can just take a call there on your watch and not have to deal with going to find the phone so that's nice you can also read full emails mark them as unread flag or delete them right from the watch this to me is huge i love being able to triage emails and so this is going to be a big deal for me also activities shown on the watch uh, including move exercise and stand will remind you uh, for how long you've been sitting uh, basically the focus of this device is how you can save time in your life uh, the battery was announced as an 18 hour all day battery comes with a magnetic charger we knew that uh and there will be uh, three different models we knew that uh their aluminum model uh is the what they're calling the apple watch sport uh their engineers have created a new alloy which is 60 percent stronger than standard alloys but just as light uh the uh pricing on that one starts at 349 dollars for the 38 millimeter model and for the 42 millimeter model add another 50 dollars to start at 400 dollars Uh, You also have the stainless steel model known as the Apple Watch. Uh, The 38 and 42 millimeter versions of it start at $549 and $599 respectively. And the pricing goes up from there depending on which watch band you choose. So you can get all the way up to $1,100 for the 42 millimeter model of that watch. And then you've got the Apple Watch Edition, which is the solid gold model, which gets you at the entry level point with that one $10,000 all the way up to $17,000, depending on the watch band you get. Well, and the goofy thing is they're going to charge $10,000 for a watch that comes with the rubber band that comes on the sport model by default for $10,000. I, I, I almost fell off my chair when I saw that. Yeah, I don't really know what that one's all about, why they chose to do that. But either way, uh, another way to grab a couple more bucks from you, I guess, is uh, the way to do that. So um, the collection will offer a wide variety of bands, uh, sport bands, three different leather bands, uh, Melanie's Loop and a Link bracelet. Stainless steel and space black finishes are going to be available for those metal bands. And the aftermarket ones are already available uh, at uh, fractions of the cost of the of what Apple will be charging for them. Indeed, they will. Pre-orders starting 
April 10th. They will be available on April 24th in countries around the world, including the U.S., the U.K., France, Germany, Hong Kong, and Japan. You can also experience the watch in person in stores starting on April 10th. Well, uh, aside from the watch, uh, which now requires iOS 8.2, that new OS is now available for the iPhone. It includes a specific app for managing and controlling the Apple Watch. It includes other stability enhancements as well that were included in that release. Now, in addition to making a general claim that the watch will run for 18 hours per charge, Apple has added a new battery test page, uh, results page on its website discussing the Apple Watch's performance across a variety of tests. According to Apple, the 38 millimeter and 42 millimeter versions of the watch will have different run times with the 42 millimeter version having typically uh, experience, will typically experience longer battery life than the 38 millimeter version, uh, presumably from a larger battery inside. The company does not note how much longer though what that will be uh which how long will last for but it does disclose uh what is going to happen here for the 38 millimeter so think about just maybe a little bit more if you go with the 42 18 hours for an overnight charge factoring in things like doing a 30 minute workout Uh, also they will say you can get up to 90 time checks which is five time checks per hour 90 notifications which is five per hour which i think is a little bit low but either way 45 minutes of application use and then also uh some some music playback in that workout so they're saying 30 minutes of bluetooth uh, music playback coming from there they also said you'll be able to use the watch for up to three hours of continuous phone calling when paired with an iphone or six and a half hours of music when play uh, paired over bluetooth seven hours of active workout time with the heart rate sensor on and it will last uh 48 to 72 hours if uh, basically you're doing nothing with it so uh keep that in mind that basically if you leave for more than a day you're going to have to take your charger with you because it's not going to work also if paired with an iphone but used primarily as a watch it will deliver up to 48 hours if the time is checked briefly at five times per hour and then there's also a power reserve mode uh, and or a non-iphone pairing mode which can let it last up to that 72 hours with four time checks per hour recharging will take approximately 2.5 hours to get you from zero all the way up to 100 percent with an 80 percent charge in about an hour and a half Uh, two separate magnetic chargers will be offered by apple one with a one meter cable length for 29 dollars and one with a 30 uh 39 dollars for a two meter cable uh those are of course aftermarket costs you'll be getting the uh the one meter cable in the box with that to charge it uh, Apple confirming all three editions of the Apple Watch will ship with eight gigs of internal storage. Uh, the watch will be limited to just two gigs for songs and up to 75 megabytes for photos, which can be stored locally on the device and uh, then can be either viewed or listened to with or without a paired iPhone. Songs can be synced using the Apple Watch companion app on uh, compatible iPhones running iOS 8.2 or later. That two gigs of music works out to between 200 and 500 songs, depending on audio quality, and the 75 megs of photos will equal about 100 photos compressed down in file size to uh, to show on the apple watch screen a portion of the remaining storage is for the operating system for the apple watch which will install the of course application binaries as well for those applications that you install and now regarding the battery, uh, an Apple spokesperson had told TechCrunch this week that the Apple Watch's battery is replaceable, though it's unclear how much a new one will cost or what the procedure will be, though it's likely going to be through an Apple-authorized location such as an Apple Store. So good news there, though, that, uh, of course, generally with the batteries that we have in our mobile devices, you get a couple hundred charges uh, before the battery starts to wear out. Uh, and if you're charging this thing every night and you're using most of the battery every night, uh, it would be understandable to assume 
assume that uh, we are going to see in two years time a relatively deteriorated battery uh, if you're charging this thing constantly every single night. Now back to the Mac for just a moment. Alongside the new 12-inch MacBook, they also announced a collection of USB-C accessories for uh, expanded uh, possibilities to use with the laptop, uh, the new laptop, including uh, a 29-watt USB-C power adapter for $50. There's a 2-meter charging cable for $30, and then also a 3-port adapter uh, that gets you USB-C to uh, VGA USB port, uh, and then also uh, what else is on there? So, uh, And then, of course, then the charging adapter for another USB-C port. Uh, that's $80. Uh, and then there's also a multi-port adapter for AV, which includes Includes uh, USB VGA and uh, also HDMI, uh, which is another eighty dollars. So you could end up spending here uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred and fifty dollars on adapters on top of this computer. But uh, either way, just some interesting uh, other things that were announced at the end of uh, this press conference. As long as you, as long as you don't have an Apple TV to use, because you could use AirPlay to extend your monitor, clone your monitor, and that was one thing that in these accessories, there's one little uh, uh, thing that I found interesting about these two video outputs were that they. They said they could um, mirror your desktop, not extend your desktop. So the graphics processor in this thing may not actually be able to support any more resolution than what the internal panel is because, uh, you know, most computers, Mickey, if you have multi-monitor, you know, the, your resolution is essentially doubled if you have two identical monitors next to each other. So that could be quite a little gotcha there, which you, if some people is expecting to be able to extend your desktop onto the projector or something you're connecting it to externally. One thing I'm surprised we did not see is a DisplayPort adapter or, a, or a, because since this is native to USB, we should be able to see a USB to DisplayPort cable, and we didn't see that. And also, we didn't see anything like a like a USB C to standard USB hub where there was more than one port. So there's definitely some accessories that we'll be seeing probably from third party companies. Oh, absolutely! This is going to be this is going to be one of those for an, if you're an accessory company right now, you're loving this announcement because there's going to be all sorts of different things that you can do because everyone's going to need this stuff because all you have is one port on that device and you're going to want to do a bunch of stuff with it in uh, in many cases. Now, regarding the Force Touch trackpad on that new MacBook, Apple is uh, reportedly planning to bring the technology to the new version of the iPhone, according to the Wall Street Journal. This isn't the first time we've heard that the next gen phone will support Force Touch. Even in 2013, rumors were out there that Apple was looking for an improved pressure sensor for use in the iPhone. The same report also says that a new color option may be introduced with the next gen iPhone, allowing users to buy a pink version of the smartphone and possibly doing away with the color options found in the iPhone 5C. Although the pink color is currently only in testing, according to the journal, and may or may not end up making it into the final product. Now, other aspects of the phone, such as the design and capacity sizes uh, of the devices and as also the display sizes are expected to remain the same as the previous and current iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. So that S version uh, should look very much the same as what you've got right now in your 6s. It is, though, expected to support 2 gigs of RAM up from the 1 gig that you currently find in the iPhone 6, as well as shipping with a multi-carrier Apple SIM uh, that you can find in the current iPad Air 2. Sticking with Apple-related news for just a moment, Marriott said it will begin accepting Apple Pay at some of its properties later this year. Guests will be able to check in with the Apple iPhone 6, 6 Plus, or Apple Watch, needing only to tap their device against the terminal at the registration desk, and the necessary payment details would be transferred to Marriott's computers. The company already also allows guests to check in and out with a mobile application. Marriott says Apple Pay is another step at making its guests' stays more convenient. Marriott will start accepting Apple Pay at the Ritz-Carlton 
Carlton, New York, Central Park, as well as the Ritz Carlton, Washington, D.C. edition. Also, Miami, Edition Miami, JW Marriott, Chicago, Renaissance, New York Times Square, San Francisco Marriott Marquis, San Francisco Air, uh, Airport Marriott Waterfront, New York Marriott Downtown, Courtyard Chicago Downtown, San Jose Marriott, Courtyard LA at LA Live, and also the Residence in Los Angeles, LA Live. Apple Pay will go live at these properties later this summer. On the component side, after using Qualcomm's LTE mo- uh, modems for the last few years, it looks like Apple will be opting to use Intel's latest LTE Category 10 modem on select iPhones in 2016. According to VentureBeat, Intel's new 7360 LTE modem will occupy the socket in the new iPhone circuit board that's long been reserved for Qualcomm chips. Intel has been working hard over the past year for a place in the iPhone and now appears to have succeeded. Uh, the 7360 chip will be used in special versions of the iPhone in emerging markets such as Asia and Latin America, said sources. Now, for months, Apple engineers have been making trips to Munich, Germany to work with Intel engineers to ready the Intel LTE chip for the iPhone. And one of the sources has said that the 7360 LTE modem offers Cat 10 uh, LTE connectivity with download speeds of up to 450 megabits per second and support for 29 LTE bands from across the globe. The baseband modem supports LTE standards such as LTE FDD and LTE TDD and is also compatible with TDS CDMA used by China Mobile. The move is likely uh, to uh, for Apple to diversify their supply chain and of course drive down pricing in the process. Overall, Intel chips aren't nearly as good as those from Qualcomm, uh, but are likely produced being produced by Apple at cheaper rates. Qualcomm stock was off about 2% for the day, hovering in the low $70 range. So that's not too bad of a stock drop because that's, uh, you know, that's a really big business for Qualcomm. And when they got that business, I think from Broadcom is who was making the chips before Qualcomm got the uh, kind of the universal standard when we started seeing the switch to CDMA when we had the first Verizon uh, model come out mid-year. What was that? It was like a mid-model update for the iPhone 9 or 4. 2010, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of the, the big deal to, to finally move to Qualcomm at that point. And again, it's it's only in certain markets right now. And, uh, you know, if you think about it just on how do you diversify what it is uh, in your supply chain? I mean, obviously, at some point, they were going to have to start using chipsets from other manufacturers. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not to say that Qualcomm's got anything really to worry about here other than they just have to make sure that they've got their game, uh, you know, as dialed in as possible here so that there's no reason for Apple to take any additional business away from them. Sprint on Friday announcing a new effort to convince consumers to switch to them from their current carrier by reimbursing all costs associated with the move. Sprint said it will cover the early termination fees and the remaining installments on phone payment plans for anyone who ports their number to Sprint. In order to get the reimbursement, prospective customers will need to activate a new device on Sprint EasyPay, iPhone for Life, Sprint Lease, or pay full retail price for a new phone. They'll also have to turn in their existing handset in good working condition. Switchers will have to upload a copy of their final carrier bill to Sprint's website within 60 days of activation, and the reimbursement will be sent in the form of an American Express award card. Sprint said it's created a prepaid return kit to make the process easier. Sprint will send the full reimbursement within 15 days of receiving the completed forms. Just one quick piece of device news here. Verizon on Wednesday saying that the Motorola Nexus 6 will be available for pre-order starting on March 12th and should arrive in stores by March 19th, 
$250 with a contract or $27 per month with a Verizon Edge plan. In software news, Google on Tuesday releasing a version of its calendar application for the iPhone only. The application includes features such as assists to help schedule regularly occurring meetings, as well as schedule view to make it easier to glean daily schedule details at a glance. The app integrates with Google Apps for Work, too, so you companies can manage the application if they need to. Google Calendar for iOS is free to download from the iTunes App Store. This is a, a really nice-looking application. It works really well. Um, I do have Google Calendars. Um, I manage my my family calendar uh, through Google. So I see that. I also see uh, my personal calendar, uh, among other things. Um, and I know for people who are just using Google services exclusively and don't have Exchange servers, uh, this could very easily replace the calendar application on your iPhone. Exactly. Uh, do we have a contacts app yet for Google? That's the one Not thing yet. I'm thinking, okay, that's the one thing they need still. Well, yeah, I suppose, but at the same time, you're still going to need to integrate contacts because how else are you going to make phone calls unless the uh, somehow the, the Google apps, can, uh, the Google uh, application can transfer information somehow over and synchronize with it. Yeah, but it's just handier to manage uh, an app that's native. Like I'm, I'm thinking about managing the contacts. Maybe not just making phone calls. I mean, still have it sync like you do now with Google Contacts with the 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 V card, but have a an actual app to be able to manage them a little bit better. I, I suppose. Uh, either way, it's uh, it's a nice nice step there. Obviously, we're getting very close to really not having to use any of the services on the iPhone if you uh, are someone who uses Google uh, software services. Yeah, they're slowly moving that direction. And one thing I suppose the uh, will probably see a universal version of this after you know maybe six months or so. I, I know that was kind of what happened with Google Maps when it was first released. We had an iPhone only version for boy six to nine months, and then they finally released uh, the universal version for the iPad as well. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of different, uh, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts with this one, obviously. I, I'm, I'm someone who will still need to use uh, my calendar integrated services because of Exchange, so I can't go all in with this, but uh, but either way, it would be it will be nice when we see this on the iPad as well. Also, Apple on Thursday making a beta version of iOS 8.3 available to developers uh, for testing the pre-release version of the OS. Uh, if you happen to be someone who is in the beta program on the, the desktop side, so Mac 10.10.3, for that public beta, you may have received uh, this uh, an invite to go and test this iOS 8.3, but not necessarily. It was only going out to uh, to certain people. And I did not receive one. I am running that uh, that beta version on my uh, Yosemite computer right now to get the Photos app, which is uh, great to have this now integrated between the, the basically the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac. So the the same photo photos are available. And if I delete one in one spot, it's deleted in all all three. So it is a great uh, update. Uh, one thing that's interesting about eight point three, eight point two was just released. We don't really know what's new. Uh, or why we've got 8.3, and then this isn't like a point release for 8.2. So there's something, uh, something's up here, which uh, I don't know if we're going to see an integrated beat service or something. I know they're claiming that's going to be later, but maybe that's what this signifies. So there's some major change they haven't announced yet uh, that I'm curious what we're going to be seeing. Yeah, we'll see something here before too long. Um, ultimately, it's going to be a, um, you know, it's, it's kind of nice that we're, we're seeing now the beta versions that are available to be used and you don't have to, you know, jump into someone's developer account just to test out the new stuff. Well, that's really the big news. Uh, part of this is that, yes, you do not have to be a developer to uh, to get 
a beta iOS version. And I think with the the kind of the quality issues they had here with the iOS 8 release, this is definitely an important step. Uh, Microsoft is doing the same thing with their Windows 10. They've received over a million pieces of feedback for Windows 10. Uh, in uh, obviously Apple's now opened up the Yosemite uh, beta. Even before that came out, they had that. So this is a, a step in the right direction for stability and uh, will make it a little bit easier for probably Apple to really get... Uh, a different sort of feedback, not just from developers, which doesn't really always replicate the the end user experience. No, that's very true. And uh, the way you and I use our devices is very different than, say, someone who's uh, developing the software for it. So, <clears throat> absolutely, they need to uh, they need to work through some of this stuff here. And uh, and and so it is it is nice to see that. I personally will not be installing the beta uh, for for iOS, but uh, I know a lot of people will, and we'll try it out, and uh, we'll have some interesting feedback and experiences with it. In other software news, Microsoft preparing to make its Cortana software available as a standalone application for Android and iOS platforms uh, later this year. Uh, Microsoft already developing an improved version of Cortana for its upcoming Windows 10 desktop, tablet, and phone operating system, and is using research from the Artificial Intelligence Project called Einstein to improve Cortana's predictive and con- uh, conversational abilities. Uh, Microsoft believes Cortana's abilities can surpass those of its rivals, including Google Now and Siri. Microsoft envisions Cortana being more capable with respect to helping users by anticipating their needs. And Yahoo on Sunday made several announcements concerning account access and security. First up, Yahoo introducing a new way to sign into user accounts without requiring a password. With the new on-demand passwords option enabled, Yahoo will send a verification code via text message to the number registered with the account. The code can be used in lieu of a password during account sign-in. Yahoo also showed off an end-to-end encryption plugin for Yahoo Mail on the desktop. And at this point, Yahoo is making the source code of the plugin available for inspection so the security community can weigh in and assess its strength. An earlier build of the plugin is available and will allow Yahoo Mail users to send encrypted mail to one another, but not to outside email services. Yahoo hopes other email providers will make compatible solutions to, for their own email services over time. Yahoo said its goal is to offer an end-to-end encryption solution for all users by the end of the year. Google on Monday announcing a new version of Android in version 5.1, promising to clean up some bugs. Android 5.1 Lollipop improves stability and makes other minor improvements. In addition to the cleaned up code, 5.1 adds several features. For example, device protection prevents a lost or stolen device from accessing mobile networks without the original owner's Google password, even if the device has been reset to factory settings. The update also adds native support for multiple SIMs and improves HD voice performance on the Nexus 6 through T-Mobile and Verizon Wireless. Lastly, Android Android 5.1 makes easier to it makes it easier to manage Bluetooth and Wi-Fi settings, especially device connections from the quick settings menus. Google expects to roll out Android 5.1 to select devices over the next few days. Those sound like some great improvements. Uh, obviously the uh, the device uh, being able to be disabled is really a neat uh, thing to keep, uh, you know, theft down we we've, we've seen with the release of the ios uh activation lock uh a major drop in smartphone thefts and in once the word gets out that basically any smartphone you have is unusable if you steal it and you can't wipe it and, and just you know start over from scratch it will really just basically eliminate that kind of like what we saw with car stereo thefts from the the really early 90s uh, through the mid 80s uh, you know that they, they went kind of crazy when people started doing aftermarket car stereos but 
uh, once that they had passwords and codes from the manufacturers, that just all stopped because there's just no point in doing it. So that's uh, this is really good news for for people because usually you have these things in your hand and they're obviously very expensive. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, you know, honestly, I, I'm excited to see, you know, additional bug improvements or bug fixes and stuff like that. That's some of the, the stuff that's really going to improve that user experience dramatically. So good stuff there from Android in uh, version 5.1 of Lollipop. Questions and comments this week. First up is a comment from Aaron. He says, Mickey, I agree that Wi-Fi is virtually worthless on the phone, especially when I'm away from home. Besides uh, being uh, just being outside the fringe of its range, uh, where anything that requires data just sits there and doesn't function what's even worse is when i'm at school and i have to log in and my i and my ip lease is only for one hour after an hour my phone loses its ip on the wi-fi network forcing me to have to re-log in using my mobile browser to refresh my ip lease so between the wi-fi range issue and the ip lease refreshing it's way more trouble than it's worth so i've abandoned using wi-fi on my phone and strictly use lte when i'm not at home and that's a really great point. Those uh, those uh, access points where you have to refresh your lease after a period of time is beyond infuriating, and it's an absolute uh, waste of users' time, and it's really not taking any resources up for the the back end. So why that uh, you know IT departments have decided to do this is just beyond me. Because uh, you know make it a twenty four hour lease, make it a twelve hour lease, because it's really designed for. Uh, timing out if the device is no longer active and you need to free it up it, do it at that point but don't do it after an hour that's just that's just maddening but the problem is it looks like you still have a wi-fi connection so it's still connected to the wi-fi access point but data is no longer transmitting on it so what happens is you don't know you're not getting your emails you don't know you're not getting your uh notifications and data services going until you try to use something and then it t- stalls out so it's beyond maddening when that happens I'm uh, I've used this uh, in that type of scenario at a at a restaurant uh, where I, one that I go to on occasion that uh, I don't have uh, good cell service in there. Uh, and it always seems like a good idea until this happens. And, and once it does, then I realize, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll just deal with my really low 3G signal and, and uh, just decide I'm not going to do anything except when the emails come in. But um, yeah, it's 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 so frustrating to have this experience. And I, I had it again on Monday as I was trying to do some stuff and uh, I ended up just turning off Wi-Fi for the day. It's because you almost just get so fed up with it. You just mentally just cannot deal with it and just need the phone to work. And so it's like, forget it. I'm just going to use LTE. I don't I don't care that I don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, I rarely, uh, boy, I can't even tell you the last time I actually used Wi-Fi that wasn't either at home or at work. I do not have it signed in to, uh, to, to go to any Wi-Fi access point other than at home and at work. And I've got very, very good Wi-Fi service uh, at both of those locations. So that's really it too. So basically, I, I fully agree with this. And one of the places that I, or one of the things that I used to have that I don't have anymore, don't use anymore, um, is the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of Wi-Fi hotspots that Comcast offers in that Xfinity Wi-Fi. You know, it's it's the same, it's like any other network, once you sign into it once, it'll log on to it whenever you whenever it sees it again and that run i run into a huge issue with that with that when you're like driving down the road and you're trying to do stuff and your phone is just constantly connecting to everyone's uh router uh, and it just doesn't work so i completely deleted that i do not use that uh, the comcast stuff just because it's so infuriating in that regard but uh either way it's uh there's some interesting uh interesting stuff with that there and aaron thanks very much uh for your experience with that in fact i had uh when when that email came in um, I had the uh, I had the email. It was like trying to load on my screen as I was walking out to the mailbox or something like that. 
and I like pulled down to refresh and the, the thing started spinning on the top of the iPhone and it, it wouldn't do anything. And sure enough, look up and I've got like the one little dot of a Wi-Fi signal. So it, you know, by the time I finally force quit mail, logged off of Wi-Fi, reopened mail and I saw this email. I mean, it was just, it was so, uh, you know, obviously just a perfect email to see just why Wi-Fi can be so frustrating in situations like this. So I thought that was funny. It is because the Wi-Fi is, you know, very low signal and we're, we're, you know, kind of spoiled by, you know, the the LTE data connections now because, you know, there's antennas every which direction. So no matter which which direction you move to, you've got service. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Lastly, today is a voicemail from Ben. Hey, Mickey, Joey and everybody. This is Ben Forrest from Red Bank, New Jersey. Matt Consultant here. I just wanted to comment because I had the experience of being throttled by T-Mobile and, um, uh, basically, I, I go to the Y, and our Y never got its wi- Wi-Fi act together, so my two and a half gigs wasn't enough data, unfortunately. Now I subscribe to the ninety-nine dollar um, two and a half gigs for four people plan, great deal. And fortunately, here in the tri-state area of New York, we have excellent T-Mobile service by and large. The uh, main reason I'm calling, though, is that I called, uh, contacted T-Mobile, and they. Uh, for 10 bucks a month on my account, they've upped me by two gigs of data, and they include uh, unlimited streaming, which I'm a big Pandora and iTunes match listener, although I just recently dropped Pandora, and I'm probably going to be reinstating it. Um, iTunes matches music doesn't seem to be uh, really on par with Pandora's music, um, in my opinion. But the point is that... Um, not only do I get that, but they also threw in 10, uh, 10 gigs of data. So um, I have the uh, unlimited streaming, another 10 gigs of data I can use throughout the year, um, and four and a half gigs a month total for basically 35 bucks. This seems almost so much data that it's almost un- unsustainable. So anyway, that's just really my comment this month. I know you have a lot of news this week, um, but I thought I'd share that with you. Take care, guys. Ben, thanks very much for the voicemail. Uh, you know, obviously, understanding uh, when you when you've got a certain amount of data that you're, uh, you know, that you're capped at, and, and you go over it, you know, the kind of the the safety net is is making sure that you have uh, either uh, the ability to pay for additional data, which is what some of the carriers do, or if you happen to be on T-Mobile, you just get throttled, and uh, which was the case for you. Uh, and uh, nice that uh, you were able to call up, and they were able to give you an additional couple of gigs for uh, a nominal amount of money, and uh, to switch you. Over to one of those plans that includes that 10 gigs of data uh, in those in those new promos that they have going on there. So yeah, just another great uh, great reason to use T-Mobile. They take care of their users. Yeah, and another reminder that if you are uh, if you're on one of the other ones where you get charged like Verizon, uh, if you go over your data, uh, definitely make sure you call them and add uh, to your service plan before the month ends. So then you don't get that huge overcharge. You even have to change your plan and then just put it back the next month. Right. And I honestly, I, I think the, the way that they've gone about it here is, is really great. And uh, Ben, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the call in and uh, to hear your experience about that as well. Well, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com. Or if you have a voicemail or comment that you'd like to send on to us, like Ben did, email them to questions at the cell phone junkie.com. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.